Welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson. I am your host. And today I am here with a very special guest, Laura Sennett, who many of y'all may know as the hospitality coordinator here at Treach Memorial United Methodist Church. But she is so much more than that because she, anytime you see beautiful decor in the sanctuary, she's behind it. She's the person who's making all of us feel welcomed and safe on Sunday morning and creates this safe space for us. And if you have had the privilege of having a conversation with her, you'll understand exactly why I invited her in to have a conversation around today's topic, which is... uh, what is liminal space and what does it mean for my faith? And so Laura, thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast episode with me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. So liminal space is one of those words you don't hear in everyday mm-hmm. conversation. And honestly, I don't know if I was just behind and everybody else knew about this concept before I did, but I didn't actually learn what liminal space was until 2019 when I was going through my divorce and I was in pretty intense therapy. Mm-hmm. And my therapist introduced this idea to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and my therapist was actually... Uh, a mentee of Richard Rohr. And so I'm going to define liminal space using Richard Rohr's definition right now, and then we can talk about it a little bit more. But he describes liminal space as where we are betwixt and between the familiar. Isn't betwixt such a great word? I love it. Where we are betwixt and between the familiar and the completely unknown. Mm-hmm. There alone is our own world left behind while we are not yet sure of the new existence. That's a good space where genuine newness can begin. So ultimately, liminal space is times of transition from the old to the new. Mm -hmm. And it can be very painful and it can be really difficult and scary because it is the unknown. You're moving into something that you've never experienced before. And so, Laura, I'd like to, I know that you've done some work Mm -hmm. around liminal space and I'd like to hear from you, like, why are you interested in this philosophy of liminal space? And Mm -hmm. when were you first introduced to it? Yeah, Uh, I I probably am behind, too. I probably learned about it later than others talked about it. I think a lot of us have experienced it, but didn't know what it was called or that it was a, a thing. And so for me, I was listening to a podcast and um, by Rob Bell, and he talked about liminal space. And and for me, it was like the glove that just fit instantly. I was in liminal space mm-hmm. and had no idea. I did because I'd never heard of this concept. And so I think you and I've talked about this, like when we were going through our difficult time, we were just searching for some answers that would just get us onto the next space or just I don't know, answer questions for us, help us get out of where we were. And so when I heard liminal space and he began to talk about it, I mean, it was just euphoric for me. I was just like, what? This is where I'm at. And I, I, it was scary because the unknown is scary, but it was also scary because I was, I I didn't know that it was a thing. Mm -hmm. And I thought, is this how my life is going to look forever? Um, So it it was a, a happy moment to hear that that 
I was going through something. It was a transition, and I would move beyond that at some point. Yeah. Um, I love Richard Rohr, Rohr as well. Um, I'm a visual person, and when I think of liminal space, I think of literally being in a doorway. I'm not where I was, but I haven't yet arrived where I'm going. I'm just in this doorway. I can see behind me. I don't know what's forward. I don't want to go back. And mm-hmm. so what's that going to look like? Well, and that I, I'm... I'm so glad that you brought up that uh, illustration of the doorway because I was going to say like, that's exactly how my therapist described it to mm-hmm. me. He, he basically said, imagine uh, there is a door that you are in, you're in this room and, and there's a door open to this long hallway. And mm-hmm. then there's another door at the end of the hallway. The room that you're currently in is cozy and comfortable. You mm-hmm. know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And when you step out into this hallway, it's a long, scary hallway. Yeah. Um, it feels very isolating. There's no windows. You don't know, like, when is it going to end? How long is it going to take me to navigate this hallway? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very uncomfortable place. And so he said, our tendency is to want to stay in that room that we're currently in. Mm -hmm. For many of us, we are forced out of that room. Absolutely. Um, it is something in life for me, it was my husband walking out on me and Mm -hmm. and we'll talk a little bit about what it was for you, Mm -hmm. but that old room is no longer an option anymore. And so you look back on it and it looks so cozy and comfortable, but you can't be in there. So you start this journey into Mm -hmm. this scary hallway, going towards this other door, you have no idea how long it's going to take and you have no idea what's behind that door. Mm -hmm. And will it be better or will it be worse than what you're already in? And so the hallway is the liminal space. That's the transition that's happening. And there's an opportunity there to choose to lean into it Mm -hmm. and to um, make the most out of this experience of the unknown or you can just curl up in a ball and be scared and be stuck in that liminal space forever and never get to that new room. Yeah. And he said to add another layer on top of it, once you finally get to that new room, it can be this elating experience of like, I did it. I figured it out. I got here. It's almost always better than Mm -hmm. it was before Before. or Mm -hmm. not better, but Different, different in a, in a good positive way. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so you're stepping into this new space. It's exciting. It could even be um, like a Nirvana type experience right. of I- I've, I'm enlightened. I've made it. Right. Um, but the hard thing is that new room transitions into the old room. Right. So when you become too comfortable in that new room, Mm -hmm. then you have to enter another point Mm -hmm. of liminal space. And he said, the key is in the liminal space is where all of your growth happens, whether positive or negative, because you can grow in a negative direction if you don't approach it the right way. Um, That's where all the growth happens. And then when you get into the new room, 
you stop growing mm-hmm. until you get sent into the next liminal space. And we can get to the point where we step into liminal space by choice, right? but it's really difficult to do. And like I said, most of us are forced out because right. we like what we know. Right. We like what's comfortable. Right. And we lose that perspective too, right? When we're in the middle, like we're in the middle of the next liminal space or whatever, we sort of lose that perspective to realize that we aren't growing. We aren't, you know, we, we don't, I mean, I remember, um, sort I I can't I still can't articulate how I felt and I think it depends on your personality while it's terrifying like it can be terrifying and exciting at the Mm -hmm. same time because it's a blank slate and anything is possible and depending on if you're an adventurous person or if you take change well or whatever you're going to view it differently um I remember feeling so like all of my senses were aware, like my skin was thin, like I was so in tune with so much. And then I remember not feeling that way anymore and thinking what's happened. And it has that I I had gotten further down that hallway. Right. And, and I was in this now new old place, you know? Um, and you know, you, you want it back. You want you. You don't it, want the pain, but you, don't. you, want, you want the, the good. Growth. You yeah. do. You want the good parts of it back, and and it's so hard um, to manifest that for yourself. You know, and try to figure out how can I get just the parts of this that I want, mm-hmm. right? Which is so funny because this whole process is about letting go of control and not. Um, you know, we all have how we think things are going to turn out. We all have sort of scenarios of what life is going to look like. And when they don't look like that, Mm -hmm. um, we feel cheated. We feel let down. We feel like we got raw, you know, all these things. And so when you're in this place of liminal space, you literally have to let all of that go. Mm -hmm. You, you realize because of that room behind you, uh, if you were forced out of it, that you literally have no control. And so trying to control this hallway, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, you're just banging your head up against a wall. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, if you don't mind sharing, could you give us a little bit of information around your experience of liminal space? What was the old room that you were mm-hmm, forced mm-hmm. out of and what was that experience like? Yeah. So my husband passed away. He uh, was diagnosed with lung cancer and died three weeks later. So it was a pretty quick force out, right? Um, but at the same time, I had left a job I'd had for a long time, just a few months before. And my, my last child graduated from high school and was moving on. And so, you know, life as I had known it had changed in every element that I was accustomed to. And um, really, I didn't find out about liminal space until a few years after that. Um, Of course, that time was, you know, and and grief is often associated with liminal space, maybe not for everybody in it. And grief is, is broad, right? It's not just death. It's a loss of a job. It's a loss of a relationship. It's all those things, right? Um, and uh, I, um, I, you know, I had been grieving and really just sort of lost. Like I said, I wasn't a mom who was running a kid around anymore and I wasn't a wife and I didn't have this job. So what was I? Who was I? What was the future going to look like? Um, I, I was scared and, and paralyzed at times. I didn't, I was flailing. I was lost. I literally didn't know what to do. And I, a lot of the time I did nothing and, um, and that's not my nature. (laughs) And so, um, 
but the the thing about that too is when you get to this point, so I just quit everything, everything I'd ever been involved in, all the volunteer, all the things that I'd been involved in. I literally quit all of those things and um, started trying to figure out what life was going to look like. And it, that's a hard thing to do during grief. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I also had this thing and I, what, just know anything I talk about when I say it, it's just my own personal experience. I'm not saying everybody does this, but when I lost my husband, I had this feeling that I needed to live for both of us. So there was this, mm-hmm. this, uh, pressure. Yeah. A pressure of to live for both of us. And then this, uh, this, you know, paralyzing, just, I can't do anything. And so it was this constant back and forth of what am I going to do? I'd get this energy and I'd do something and then I couldn't fall through, you know, um, follow through with it. So it was really hard. So when I heard about this liminal space, it just gave me an answer to understand what was happening and that this was all temporary and that I could move through it and um, that it would be okay. And I, the biggest part for me was the surrendering in it um, because I am one who kind of likes to know what things are going to look like and um, sort of have a plan. I sort of went the opposite on everything in my life at that point. Like I had no plan. I had absolutely no plan. And, um, but then I think I'd, oh, I've got this figured it out, you know? So the surrendering was over and over and over and over and over again until there was just so many conversations with God during that time of, just just be right here. Mm. Just stay right here. It's going to be okay. Just stay right here. I'm right here with you through this. It's going to be okay. So when you when you learned about liminal space through this podcast for the first time, was it looking back uh, in retrospect saying, oh, that's what that was? Or were you still in it? And you're like, oh, this is what I'm experiencing and what I've been experiencing. Yeah, exactly. The latter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How long did that liminal space last for you? And what did the new room look like? Mm-hmm. And when did you realize you had made it? <laughs> yeah. Ah, gosh, I feel like I'm always making it right. I feel th- that's interesting because I don't know when I left the hallway. Like, I really can't tell you when I left the hallway. I think part of it was coming to work here. I think that was part of it. Mm. Um, I, I've thought about this because I, I think that people think that liminal space means that you've arrived and that you have, you got this new thing. Like, like you, you became, you know, a CEO of a company or you started a nonprofit. I, that wasn't my experience at all. My experience was it was a time of growth. It was a time of realization. It was a time of really looking at my belief system. It was a time of looking at the world bigger than me. Um, it was a time of growing compassion once I had such great loss it, it opened my eyes to everybody else's pain and loss. Um, so for me, it felt like this ongoing thing that lasted for quite a while, and it still happens at times. So like I hadn't ever thought of the way that you described it, like you arrive to this next door and then you move on. Um, I didn't find out about liminal space and probably until about three years after I'd lost Mike. Um, and I would probably say I was 
probably in it for another, I'm going to say close to two years Mm. is what I felt like. I was sort of just this rebuilding and growing uh, time. And I think some of that too is that I've always been a busy person. And like I said, I'd quit everything. Mm. And I was just at home and sort of doing what I wanted to um, and rebuilding. And, and I was also doing a lot of investigating of like, what do I love? What, what, what brings me joy? And what, mm. what how do I, I, how do I define myself yeah. now? So yeah. because so much of that is like, it's just all one big ball together. Cause I always knew when my last, I had four children and, and I'd had children for was it 30 years or something at that point? I don't even know. I can't remember. 20 something, I guess. And um, I had always thought once they all left that I would have this time of exploration of what do you want now? And so that did happen mm-hmm. at the same time that I lost my husband. And so um, I thought we were going to get to do that exploring together. What yeah. do we want this part of our life to look like? And that didn't happen. Um but what did happen is that I did come to work here and then I got busier. And so then I didn't pay as much attention. Mm. And so that's always been my real challenge is this balance of paying attention, not getting too carried away in all the other matters, staying focused on um, life and being in present to the time that you're in Um, because I think that's where growth happens and that's where that's, so that's a learning. That's something I'm going to have to think about since you've mentioned that is, um, that there's, there's more opportunity for liminal space and there's more opportunity to grow. And how can I put myself there at times? Yeah, I, oh boy, I wish I had the answer to mm -hmm. that because I had, I have a similar, my story is very different from yours. Um, mine was more compacted. So Mm -hmm. like the idea that you were in liminal space for almost five years Mm -hmm. blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, for me, it lasted, I think about mm, 10 months. Mm -hmm. I think it was about 10 months Mm -hmm. and it, it was kind of a weird experience because, um, my therapist helped me realize I was in it and that put me in a unique place to participate in right. liminal space from the beginning. Right. And so I'm very um, grateful to mm. have been able to have Absolutely. that experience. And and what he basically told me is, hey, during this time, your assignment is to follow your bliss. Mm-hmm. And anything that you want to do, anything that you want to try do it. Yep. Don't think about the consequences. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's I exactly did. what I did. I and did I too. Did. Yeah. Like I was so adventurous. I was going out. Mm-hmm. I was meeting new people. I was trying new things. Mm-hmm. Like I was spending money in a way that I never would now, you yeah. know, and I had even less money then than I do yeah. now. Yeah. And, but it was, it was this incredible experience. And then it's almost as if I was I was enjoying liminal space Mm -hmm. and I was growing spiritually. I was growing emotionally. I was discovering my identity and who I am as an individual person, um, which was really exciting. And then in a weird way, I was forced into the new room Mm -hmm. because 
the pandemic. Right. And so my husband left me in February of 2019. Mm. And in March of 2020, the world shut down. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like, I didn't get to be adventurous anymore. I didn't get to go out and meet Mm -hmm. new people. It was basically whatever I had built Mm -hmm. at that point Mm -hmm. was my life. Right. And then it became my new comfort place Mm -hmm. of not being around people, not being out in the world and being at home. And I became very much a homebody. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm in that place of comfort right now. And you do kind of lament the feeling of liminal space. And I'm like, oh, I want to feel that again. But I think that it would take like, intense work and meditation to be able to get myself into that state. I think that the vast majority of us, we don't get to experience liminal space unless we're forced into it. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I wish I could. I think that it would take a lifetime of work to figure out how do I, how do I make liminal space my Mm -hmm. life? Mm -hmm. How do I, and you can't, of course you can't just have constant, constant, constant growth because you're, right. it'll exhaust your body right. and your mind. You, yeah, you have, have to have, have rest. the rest. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, I've been resting now uh-huh. for two years right. and I'm ready to feel that again. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah. I want to feel it. Yeah. How can I tap into just that part, little part of it? But I don't want to be forced into it where like right. a huge tragedy upends my life. Yeah. And I'm like, can I just enter yeah, that yeah. space without the trauma? <laughs> that's, that's that control part of us, right? Like we just want this part. I mean, and that's always us. We just want this part of whatever, right? We don't always want all of it. I will say that I don't think I was in liminal space that whole time between losing Mike and then realizing it. I probably went through it for about three years. Mm. So the first couple of years, I don't think that was really how I was feeling. But um, I also want to make sure people understand while it's painful and while it's exciting, um, it's also a time of rest. I mean, there is rest in there too, right? Yeah. Um, well, because when you are forced into it, and it sounds like this might have been your experience too, it puts the world in perspective and things that used to feel big now feel small. And you absolutely. just, nothing, and in, in the most positive way possible, nothing matters. Right. Like you don't care. You let go of all of the societal pressures, little things that people say don't bother you. Right. Like everything just rolls right off you. Cause you're like, well, in the grand scheme of the universe, this really does this not doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> yeah. Do whatever you want. Right. Nothing matters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So did your kids go on this journey with you? Like, what was their reaction to you in that time? No, it was a really personal thing. I haven't talked to any of them about it. Um, I they don't they don't I don't even know if they know about liminal space. Um, I didn't talk to them about it. They certainly witnessed it. I, I did a lot like you did. I was traveling. I was um, going to art camps. I was like anything that interested me. I was involved in it. I was constantly looking for stuff that might spark something in me. Mm. Um, so they certainly witnessed it, but they didn't, um, it wasn't something we talked about. Did they have any positive or negative reaction? Cause I'm guessing they noticed a change in you during this time. Yeah. I mean, um, they were encouraging to me. Um, they weren't surprised by it because they, 
they like that's sort of my spirit is to um, try new things and stuff. It's just that I had I would just try new things in my little circle, mm-hmm. and my circle became broader. And so um, I don't know. I, I should ask them. They probably thought, "Oh my gosh, mom's losing it." Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was very personal to me, and it was. Um, it was work that I had to do mm-hmm. on my own. And the other thing is too, um, you know, they had their lives and there was a lot going on when, when someone dies, it's not like, um, life just stops and that's all anybody's dealing with. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they were grieving through they, all of They were too. grieving through their they own stuff. They could have been yeah. there in their own version of liminal Absolutely. space. And y'all were, I mean, yeah, oh, that would be an amazing conversation to have with them of, yeah. of maybe have them listen to this episode and yeah. then have a family conversation. <laughs> family about conversation. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I wonder if this was your experience because um, looking back on my time in liminal space, it's almost like I was a totally different person than I am now. And sometimes I miss that person. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my closest friendships that I have right now were developing during that time. Mm. And sometimes it feels like they had to get to know me all over again when I was out of that liminal space mm-hmm. because the person that they got to know while I was in it, mm-hmm. it was adventurous and outgoing and having conversations with random people and like mm-hmm. the life of the party and always up for whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like this person that they know is like, mm, Not let's that just person. stay in. <laughs> like, let's... I don't want to, are there going to be, do I have to meet new people? Mm, I don't really want to go there. Like I'm a totally different person. And I feel like I gave my friends a little bit of whiplash in that of like, now they're trying to figure out, okay, who is this new version Mm -hmm. of Alyssa? And I don't know. I, it's not the person I was before I was forced mm-hmm, into liminal space mm-hmm. because I'm different from who that was right. too. But I feel like there's part of me who's still discovering like, what does this, all this mean for my identity? Like, was that person who I was in liminal space actually who I am? Right. And now I'm not who I am or is all of it who I am? Right. And it's just different facets of my character. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. Did you, did you have that like identity crisis as you were moving from liminal space to the new room? I don't think so. I don't, as you talk about just that. Just me sure. then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Just you. <laughs> Only you did that, Alyssa. Um, I don't, so I did in my, um, sort of adventurous time of, um, trying new things. I met a lot of new people and made some friendships, but most of those friendships weren't people that were, that live here locally. So I don't see them often. Um, there were people that were a part of that world with me when I was doing all those things and I keep in touch with them a little bit, not nearly like we were. Um, so it is interesting to think about that. Like, uh, what would they think? And, and, and the other thing is they didn't know the other Laura. They didn't know the Laura before the liminal space, right? Because these were new friendships that I'd made. Um, I mean, the whole journey for me was an identity crisis because like I said, I wasn't a mom, even though I was still a mom, I wasn't a mom that was caring for children. Um, I wasn't a wife and I didn't have that job. So the whole thing was, who are you now? And um, who do you want to be? And what's most important to you. I mean, I remember literally thinking sort of, um, 
I always wished I was the person that got up and drank a cup of tea every morning. And I'm like, then do it or shut up because you can't just keep well, saying. It's such a small thing, it but is. I totally understand what it you're mean. Yeah. Like, I want to be, I want to be the person who sits out in my garden in the morning. Yeah. And yeah. just like enjoys the mm-hmm. cool spring air. You right. Know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So if that's what you want, what is stopping you? I mean, I really would get to that point where it was like all these things you wanted to do do them or stop talking about it. Stop thinking about it because this is the opportunity to do it, you know, mm-hmm. and the tea didn't, didn't happen. I don't get up and drink tea every morning and I don't think about it and I don't talk about it anymore. So, um, <laughs> well, what are some of the things that you learned about yourself and you discovered about yourself mm-hmm. during this time? Maybe not that you're not a tea drinker, mm-hmm. but what are some of the other things that you mm-hmm. learned? So when I very first started on this, I started uh, art journaling, which is just basically Journaling with art, you can put your thoughts in there, but you you also can just put pictures or paint or whatever, collage, that kind of stuff. And one of the things I learned pretty quickly was that um, there were certain things that would make me feel alive because I didn't feel alive. And so I started journaling about those things. And I created this thing that I call the road roadmap back to myself. Mm. When I get really far off of where I want to be, which I probably should be looking at it right now. Uh, I look at these things and I'm like, yeah, those are the non-negotiables in my life. And one of those is a creative outlet. I mean, I just have to have a creative outlet. And during that time, I expanded that creative outlet and learned all different uh, different ways to do art. But I also learned a lot about gardening and gardening was one of the most um, healing things for me. So funny enough, six weeks after Mike died, we were supposed to have taken a vacation. And of course I wasn't going to go on this vacation, but I was up one night. I used to blog and I uh, used to follow a lot of bloggers and I was up and I saw that there was an art retreat coming up in um, Washington state. And I was like, I think I'm going to go. And so I reached out to the person and she said, yeah, it's a small group. I think you'd be happy here. And so I went and I knew no one. um, And my roommate was an art therapist. And when I left, she said, just go home and keep creating, just keep creating. And so I did that for for years. I just kept on plugging away at different kinds of uh, creativity. But one of the things that I did pretty quickly was the backyard was sort of my husband's. And so I started working on the backyard to kind of clean it up to look like I wanted it to look. And it was so cathartic for me. It literally, I remember, I remember just pouring sweat and thinking, these are my tears. They are every move, every step I make, I'm moving further down that hallway, probably Alyssa, which I didn't know at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that gardening really has saved me. Art has saved me. Gr- gardening is, be- I look at that as a creative outlet uh, because I, I grow flowers, not mm-hmm. vegetables. And um, so I feel like I'm painting with plants, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the things that was really important to me. Um, I need to look at that roadmap. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I, one of the things that I learned about myself during my time um, was who I want to be in relationship with others mm-hmm. because my, it's one of those things that, uh, 
my husband left me. I did not want my marriage to end. Mm -hmm. I was resistant to it. I was in denial for the first few months of this is not happening. This is not going to happen. I can fix this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the more I came around to it and looking back on my relationship, I'm like, oh boy, that was not a good relationship. Like Mm. we were not good. I was not happy. And so it's almost like he did me a favor uh, by leaving as painful Mm -hmm. as it was because I would have never, I would have never because the vow is so meaningful to me. And Mm -hmm. like, I have always been of this mindset of like, I, we have the rest of our lives to get this right. Mm -hmm. We have the rest of our lives to figure this out. We can do it. But what I learned is both of you have to want to do it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so I, there are so many things that I've learned about myself through that failed relationship and what I want out of relationship and my time in liminal space. And one of the things that I learned about myself is I need my space. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of similar. I'm not as um, artistically creative as you are. I Mm -hmm. think I'm more of an intellectual creative Mm -hmm. um, because I do love writing. Mm -hmm. And so that is a creative. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But I'm not, you know, painting or or there's many forms of art, tactical art, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, my home space is a, is my creative space as well of mm-hmm. like, and the opportunity to, I, I, for in the beginning, I rented a room from a friend mm-hmm. and I was so excited to make that room, whatever I wanted it to be mm-hmm. without having to check with anyone else mm-hmm. and without having to get anyone else's input. And mm-hmm. it was bright and colorful and homey. And, you know, it, it, was just everything, everything that I Mm -hmm. ever wanted my space to be. And then fast forward and I now own my own home. And it's the exact same thing of like, I don't have to check with anyone on anything, anything I want to do in my home, I can do because it's mine. And that's one of the things that I've learned about myself being in relationship. And I, it sounds selfish, but it's not, I think it's one of those, uh, parameters that society puts on me that Mm -hmm. I had to kind of shake off. Mm -hmm. I have learned cohabitation is not for me. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm in this relationship with this wonderful man that I've been in a relationship for three years and Mm -hmm. he feels the same way. And there is no uh, what's next in our relationship. Neither of us want to get married. Mm -hmm. Neither of us want to have kids. Neither of us want to move in together. Mm -hmm. He has his house. I have my house. We get our own space to do with whatever we want. We get as much alone time as we need. Right. And it's one of those things that like, for some reason, I felt like that wasn't okay prior to this. Like if this is the way you wanted to live, you don't love each other enough. Mm. If you don't want to share space with somebody, Mm -hmm. then you don't love them enough to want to be in a committed relationship with them. And I'm like, this, that's all BS. Right. Right. Absolutely. And just to be able to shed all of those preconceived notions of what it is to be in relationship and be committed to somebody else Mm -hmm. was so freeing of like, I don't have to do the, you know, you date, you share a key, you move in together, Mm -hmm. you get married, you have kids, like this pattern that's been laid out for us. I don't have to do it. You don't. Nope. 
You and do not. <laughs> it, it's it's I like I it's liberating. Absolutely. I don't know. And so that's one of the things that I learned in my time of liminal right. space is like going back to that freedom of like I can do whatever I want with my life. Right. I and I have I have I have the power to speak up for myself in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned that too. I'm still learning that because um I, you know, I wonder, I haven't been in relationships since my husband died and I wonder who I'll be in a relationship. And, but at the Are same you, time, you're open to that. I do. I'd love to have what you have. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to have that. It, it's, I don't, it's wonderful. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> necessarily get married. I don't necessarily, I really have loved having my own space and doing whatever I want and not doing what I don't want. And, you know, so all those things. So yeah, I totally, I totally feel that. But, um, you know, I got married really young. I've never been on my own, really. And so for me, um, this time still is a time of figuring myself out and not just falling into this pattern yeah. of being able to still stand up for myself. Not that I didn't stand up for myself in my marriage before. That's not the case at all. But really holding true, yeah. you know, as a mom, I was always thinking of everyone else. Right. And I don't want to go into any more relationships doing that. I yeah. want I want to hold space for myself, you know, like this is my needs. This is yeah. what I want. This is what matters to me. Well, and, and that goes for any relationship, absolutely. not just romantic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I sometimes I sort of um, grade my relationships to say, are you doing that? Because if you were in a relationship with someone, could you do that? Could you still, you know, are you doing that well enough with everyone else that you could do that with a partner? You know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I did. I think the growth that I had personally during that time, other than creatively, was um, I really grew compassionately. Mm. And I also really... Um, sort of woke up to the world. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the things that were going on in the world. And our, you know, what was going on in the world made me pay attention because this is around 2016, 17. So um, I sort of woke up to that. Um, and I just, I, my world became broader. I, I um, read more now about what is going on in the world. I it's funny, I read more now, but I have less of opinion or I, my opinion really doesn't, no one needs my opinion. Mm. God doesn't ask for her opinion. Like, you know, we just need to be faithful and loving. And in that, that, that's the thing I think about a lot of times is, um, what I think about this thing, does it really matter? Or what matters is how I'm acting about how I think about this thing. And the, um, I just lost a thought, but I was going to say the other thing that sort of stood out for me and I lost it. So go ahead. Well, and, and I had a, a similar feeling of like this time in liminal space, uh, really nurtured my curiosity. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have always been very opinionated. Mm. <laughs> That's not something that newly came about mm-hmm. uh, with this mm-hmm. experience, but just a genuine curiosity about other people. And mm-hmm. like, I know what I think, but I'm curious to know, like, how did you come to your conclusions? Mm-hmm. And that's when, as part of my, you know, my excitement around going out and meeting new people and, and 
Uh, one of my favorite things to do is sit at a bar and whoever I'm sitting next to ask, what are your thoughts on God? Mm -hmm. Because everybody has an answer. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a feeling, whether it be like they had a specific spiritual upbringing or they're atheist, or a lot of people want to talk about their experience with Christians or Mm -hmm. with, or their idea of like, Ooh, I think that, you know, I believe in astrology or I think that, uh, God is an energy or whatever, like everybody has an opinion and it's so interesting Mm -hmm. and people open up in a really unexpected way because everybody's carrying something Mm -hmm. about God, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether you're atheist or you're devoutly, you know, Muslim, you're carrying something. Yeah. Um, We've all got a story about that, right? Yes. Yes. And I I just find it so interesting, but it's that curiosity about other people. And and, um, I think that that also mixes in with compassion Mm -hmm. of like better understanding who Mm -hmm. people are and where they come from. Um, I am curious to know where did your liminal space experience intersect with faith and spirituality? Mm. What did you learn about God and your relationship with God during that time? Uh, I learned that I had to lean on him. I learned that I had to, I had to be okay with that empty hallway Mm. that I had to, um, that I had to not have a plan and to trust that he did. And, and we would get through it. Did it change your faith at all or your understanding of it, who God is? It, it, my, whole, uh, my whole faith was rocked during this time because I had this idea with who I thought God was. And then my husband died and then some other things happened. And the things just kept stacking up. Like I felt like I was already on the ground and all these other things are happening. And it, I thought, I've got God all wrong. I'm not responding. I'm not doing something right. And that did not match up with who I thought God was. But I thought, I have got him all wrong. This key, All this stuff keeps happening because I'm not doing something right. And I struggled with that because that was not who I had been taught God was. Mm-hmm. But I know that there are people that believe that, that, that if they just did, would do everything right, then everything would go well. Where do you think that came from? Uh if it's not what you were yeah, raised if it's to not, believe, yeah, where did yeah. that... Well, and I've talked about this before with you, but I wasn't raised to believe in... I wasn't raised... Um, I was raised to believe in God, but I was not raised... I was not raised in the church. So what I learned about faith came as an adult. And so... And what I had learned was not that God is a vengeful God or that God lays things on you so that you'll... Because you're not being obedient or whatever. And so I just... I had it... I was, it was a short period, but I was very, very confused. I thought I am, this keeps, more stuff keeps happening because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, um, and I, and I just remember just pleading with God in the night. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like I'm down and I feel like you just keep hitting me. And that was such a hard time. It was probably the hardest. And I don't know. I have, you know, some really close friends that are just really loving and, you know, I don't know. You just keep going, just keep putting a foot in front of the other and, and you sort of get some strength and, you know, you read and you talk with friends and you realize you're just, you're just in a bad spot. It's Mm going to be okay. You're going to move on. And I think part of that too is that, um, 
when we're in a bad place, it's the only place we can see, right? Like that's what you, that's all you can see. You can't see beyond that. And you tend to think this is where I'm going to stay. And you, and you, you just have a hard time seeing the light and you think this is how it's always going to be because you've never been in this dark of a place before. And you think this is how it's always going to be. Mm. And you have people around you that remind you, no, 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 it's not. Yeah. It's going to get better. And you get, a, you get a little better and you get a little better. And then you start thinking, you know, the way that you've always thought. Um, and I realized, I mean, I, I literally remember pleading with God. And I remember feeling stronger. And I remember realizing I was just... I was just in a dark place, you know, mm-hmm. and I, God didn't keep hitting me. <laughs> he just, that's not how I believe God works. Um, and, and I think when you get that broken, like you, ha- where else can you rely? You know, I, I, like I say, I had great friends. I have great friends. Um, but they can only do so much, yeah. right? Um, in my children, they can only do so much. Um, it was me and God wrestling with this and, you know, me literally just giving up and God saying, okay, let's go. You know, I've got it. We're going to go. You're going to put this foot in front of the other and then you can put that one in this one. And you're just going to keep going until you get there. Yeah. I, uh, man, pleading with God. Yes. I had the exact same experience and it, it's one of those things that when you, when you work at a church, so I attend a different church than mm-hmm. the one I work at. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, when I was going through all of this, I was just crying every Sunday in church. And, um, when we would do communion and, you know, a lot of people come up and pray on the the altar mm-hmm. during communion, I would always be down on that altar. I would be, I would have my hands folded and, and like a white knuckle prayer. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was just wringing my hands, mm-hmm. uh, begging God, like have him come to his senses, like mm-hmm. have him come back, you know, just crying. And, um, it was one of those, like, you know, the person who they go down and pray, uh, at the altar and then like everyone, like they're still there. They're <laughs> right. still there. She and then like the music start there. Like, do we move on? Like, what do we do? I was that person yeah. every single Sunday where I would just get lost in prayer and like, wouldn't realize everybody was waiting on me to move to the next element of service. And then they would just start playing music and I would like snap out of it and realize that was my cue to go back up. And I was in the choir. So <laughs> Then I would you had to go, get yourself together and go, go sing. back into the choir loft and do our thing because we were supposed to be singing and mm. I was down there praying and it was just so silly. But then like I had this shift of I was angry with God mm. of like when my prayers were not answered and I had mm. been begging, I was like, well, screw you too, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like and that was and so I just let God go entirely. All of the concepts of God that I had, I just it was a kind of a similar thing of like all shedding of the societal norms shedding of my mm. views on god and who god is and that i even need to have a conversation with god mm. like you let me down mm-hmm. and 
But then that also was a part of my liminal space journey because that cleared away for me to think about God differently right? and to uh, let go of all of the constructs mm-hmm. that I've put around who God is. And it sent me into spiritual deconstruction mm-hmm. and questioning everything, which led to this podcast. Right, <laughs> right, right. But um, it turned out to be a really positive thing for me and my relationship with God. But it was painful and it was hard and I was rude about it. Like I was mean and I did not want to talk to God. I did not want to talk about God. And it just made it more complicated that I worked at a church Uh where I was like, it's part of my job Uh to talk about God and uh, write about God and update our website (laughs) and all of this stuff. And I was just like begrudgingly working for God every day. Right. Like, well, I'm just doing it for the paycheck. You know, you're so funny. I, I responded totally different. I was like, I am so mad at you, but don't you dare leave. You stay right here and you witness every piece of this anger You because I'm so mad at you. Yeah, that was what mine was. It was just like, ah, you have to see what you have done, you know? And, and that didn't last long of, um, of, you know, you have to see what you've done. That was during that period of like, why are you doing this to me? You know? Um, but yeah, yeah, I was totally different with that. And I wasn't working at a church at the time. Uh, so, but that is funny. I can totally see where this podcast looking came back from. On it, looking yeah. back on it, it was comical, but um, I I was in a really bad place. I was angry. Mm-hmm. I was full of rage at mm-hmm. all times. And I was reduced to tears every day. And God bless my parents because I was living with them at the time. And like you, you mentioned the people in your life who just let you talk it all out. Mm-hmm. That was my dad of like every morning I would be up at 7am with a cup of coffee crying. And he would just sit with me as I just had this circular conversation with him for three hours Mm -hmm. every day Mm -hmm. trying to piece together what's going on what can I do and he would just sit and listen and he had so much patience it helps to have a dad who's a therapist I was just gonna say (laughs) isn't that funny how that all worked out yeah yeah yeah. yeah. it was like oh you got licensed at just the right Right time time. for me yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) exactly yeah but yeah all of these little and the the people who are willing to sit and listen to us as we're going through that are Mm -hmm. such a huge part of that journey through liminal space because it's the only thing that I had to cling to of Mm -hmm. like, you're just floating down this hallway. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to grab onto. There's Mm -hmm. no window to look out, see where you Mm -hmm. are, Mm -hmm. but you have people that you can talk to. Yeah. What you explained, I remember um, hearing we have no reference points. You are heading down a hallway that there are no longer any reference points. All the reference points you had are left in that old room. And so to have those people there, and there's usually just a couple, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We've talked about that. Most of them leave. Most of them don't stay through this time. Well, uh, I pushed most people away because I was like, I don't, I'm going to be very particular about who gets to be sure, in this journey they, with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't have the experience because I know like you've talked about mm-hmm. in grief when you've had such a huge loss and your husband died, people don't know how to react to you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't give people the opportunity to react to me. I Mm -hmm. cut people out and was like, you don't get to be a part of this. You don't get to know about it, Mm -hmm. but you couldn't do the same Mm -hmm. thing. No, it was different for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was different for me. Definitely. Yeah. It's just hard. People don't know. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. You're their worst nightmare. They don't want to be up close to that, you know? Um, 
and and also you realize that some relationships weren't what you thought they were. They were um, conditioned on um, you being able to help them with this thing or whatever. And you don't have the energy to do any of that anymore. So you're not doing it. And so if all they needed was your help with stuff, then you're, you know, you're not, you're not available for that right now. And so those friendships just sort of pull away and kind of break up and it's hard. It was, it was hard because that's another loss. Like you thought there was more to a relationship, you know, you learn who, who matters and who cared. Oh, that, yeah, that was a, a big thing for me is, um, one of the hard truths during this time is the people I thought were my friends were actually his friends. Mm -hmm. And I am not exaggerating when I say I never heard from anybody again. Mm. After he left me, I never heard from a single person ever again. Mm -hmm. Not even someone checking in and being like, hey, what's going on? I haven't seen you in a while. Mm -hmm. It became very clear to me that like, okay, they're his friends. Mm -hmm. They're hearing his story, his narrative. Who knows what he's saying to them? Right. But they were never a part of my life. Like that's I so thought sad. they were. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. I, I've told you before, I think it's a big representation of them, not so much you as, as your relationship, but of who they are. But yeah, I mean, I have people that have, I've never heard from again too. And it's just weird. Yeah. And they were, they weren't just his friends. They were people that I knew more than I, he knew, you know, and just like, wow. <laughs> but I've done that. I'm sure. I've done that. Like we all have intentions of doing something different and we don't, you know? Yeah. So it's okay. The people I have now in my life, I love dearly. Yeah. And they love me. Yeah. You know? Have you experienced liminal space since that time? Is there a different experience of it that you can compare to that in any way? Or is that it for you? I think that's it for me. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that I have experienced it um, again, mm -mm. I haven't either. I'm, I, I want to, but I, I kind of don't too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not so afraid to say that out loud. It's like yeah. knock on wood. Right. Yeah. Um, I, ha I, I would love, I would love to be able to comparatively say, Oh, this time of liminal space compared to this time of mm -hmm. liminal space. And I handled it differently, mm -hmm. you know, but I think, so what I do wonder is, um, is it because we're busy? Is it because we're doing things like, could we could we spend some quiet time and some alone time and look mm -hmm. for places and ways that that's happened? Um, yeah, I have become a lot less introspective mm -hmm. than I was before mm -hmm. because I don't have to be. Right. I don't right. have to be. Right. Like there, I'm not having that identity crisis right. where I'm having to take a look at myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should. Yeah. I do think there's something to that. I think... Um, you know, it's like people say, we don't have miracles anymore. No, we just don't stop and pay attention to them. It's yeah. the same thing. It's, are we paying attention? Are we as aware and awake to what's going on around us? Or are we comfortable in that room? We've got the list and we're doing the things, you know? That's a great word for it. Because during my time in liminal space, I would say I've, I was more awake mm -hmm. than I've ever been. Mm -hmm. To every, I mm -hmm. felt everything. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean about all your senses were mm -hmm. just... They're just alive. Like, you're, I, yeah, it's the craziest, best feeling. I can remember looking at a day and going, 
I can do whatever I want with this day. And don't don't get me wrong. That's not liminal spaces. Don't, you know, it's a journey. It's a hard place, mm-hmm. right? But I remember being so tickled about I having a complete day and I could do whatever I want with it. Mm-hmm. That feeling yeah. is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the fact that I had a full day, empty day that I could do with whatever I wanted. That that just that intense good feeling of being completely awake and alive. Mm-hmm. And how do I want to spend this day? Mm. That's what I miss. Yeah. So if you could go back in time mm-hmm. and experience liminal space differently, mm-hmm. is there anything that you would have changed about that time? I think it would have been helpful to know that's where I was at. But I, I do think it's very interesting that, and that's what I felt in that moment when he explained it. And when you started explaining it again today, like, um, I, I think it would have been interesting to know if, if I'd known about it sooner. But I also think that we're all just so built to survive. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't read and know anything about liminal spacing, like, do this checklist. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I was already well through it and went, oh my gosh, this is what I've been doing. Like, um, I, so I say, I, like, I don't know that I would change anything because I think there's, a, there's, there's within us the ability to survive and take care of ourselves. And I don't mean that in that we do this all. I mean, mm-hmm. through God, yeah. he built us and created us. We have this ability to always land on our feet at some point. And it, doesn't mean we're not going to be like white knuckled and skin knees and, you know, a heap on the floor at some period of it. Yeah. That is but something if, I learned about myself is I'm more resilient than I ever knew. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We are built to survive. We are built to survive. We are built to get through things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems at times to be impossible, right? Yeah. But we, we do. We can end up on top. We can be okay. I think that the only, I, I don't think I would have changed anything about my experience except that I wish it had lasted longer. Like mm. I, and like I said, I was in a unique position that I was kind of forced out of it mm-hmm. because the world shut down. Right. Um, nothing I could do about that. Nothing. Right. But I mean, I think that if that hadn't happened, mm-hmm. it could have lasted another full year mm-hmm. because I was soaking in every experience. Right. Um, but there's a lot of good that came out of right. that for me too, of like, I, if, if the world hadn't shut down, I don't know if I would be in the fantastic relationship that I'm in right now and, and wouldn't have had, uh, the calmness to nurture that because I would have just been, it would just been a guy that I was yeah. dating and yeah. I'm on to the next the thing, yeah. you know, yeah. all yeah. the fun yeah. without taking the time to sit with that and be mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is mm-hmm. a really good thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I guess I, I, I wouldn't change anything. I think if you had asked me while I was in it, I mm. might've tried to change mm-hmm. something and take control over the situation. But like looking back on it, I'm like, Oh, it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like it was such a beautiful snapshot. Yeah. I think I wished I, I will say one thing I wished I'd done. I wished I'd wrote about it more. Uh, I wished same. I'd wrote. That was a, uh, yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's sort of that thing I said about the road map back to myself. Like I've, I feel like if I had written about it more mm-hmm. and I went back and read it, that I could 
conjure it up a bit. Yeah. Like, you know, it would be a reliving of some of it. I did. I did keep some journals, but they were angry journals. Mm-hmm. I did not keep journaling when I was following mm-hmm. my bliss. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wish I had. Mm-hmm. I wish I had. I think that that would have been something beautiful to look back on because now all I have is all of these angry writings. Right, right, right. Of like, yeah. You're like, I don't need. I, we yeah, always I don't remember need that to part. Revisit right? that. Yeah. I don't need to revisit that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I'm like, oh, that would have been such a cool thing to like pass on to my niece and nephew someday. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when they're old enough to be like, hey, this is what I was experiencing. Right, right. When you were six years old, right. you know? Yeah. Um, If there's someone listening to this episode right now and realizing, oh, I'm in liminal space, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that's what I was feeling or experiencing, what advice would you have for that person? Mm. Journal. Yeah. Like, write it down. (laughs) Write it it down. down. Write it down. Um, You know, um, just be there. Be right there. That would be the thing I would say is... Um, it's, uh, you know, we've said over and over, it's terrifying, terrifying. Um, it's exhilarating. Um, it's adventurous and you may not be in that place right now. You may just be in the terrified phase. You may, you know, um, don't, um, let release your fist, open your hands and just take it all in. Um, because you will come out on the other side and you will, you will be glad you did and you will have enjoyed even the hard parts. Yeah. You know, you would have enjoyed even the hard parts. I think, um, I, everything that you just said of just this willingness to let go. And I think intentionally setting aside time each day to just feel what you need to feel Mm -hmm. in whatever way it comes. Um, which for me is very difficult. That's something that, it was very hard for me and my therapist had to guide me through that and Mm -hmm. teach me some breathing exercise that I do and guided meditation Mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Um, but it changed everything for me Mm -hmm. to actually be present to what I was feeling and what I was experiencing instead of just passively floating through my own life. Right. Um, you get to participate if you choose to, and it is a choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can choose to, um, participate in this liminal space experience. And so I, I really hope that for you because I lucked into it. I had an amazing therapist who Mm -hmm. helped me. And if I had not had him, I don't know what I would have done with that time. So find a therapist. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you know, it's funny, Alyssa, I went to a couple of different therapists and not one of them said anything about liminal space. Yeah. So I got so lucky. Yeah, you did. did. You really did. And you brought up something that was crucial to me uh, during that time. And that's breathing. And I tell people now going through grief, do not underestimate the power of deep breathing. It makes all all the difference in the world. And yeah. so that is one thing I would definitely add to anybody going through a hard time, whether you're in liminal space or not, breathing, boy, it can change everything. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the smallest, simplest it thing. It is the smallest, simplest yeah. things. But yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or become a person who has a cup of tea in the morning. <laughs> Whatever it is you want to do. Follow your bliss yeah. and breathe it through it. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Well, I had, a, I had a, a, a pastor one time said to me, don't look back. You're not going that way. Don't look back. You're not going that way. Go forward. Move through whatever you're going through and breathe through it and enjoy it and be grateful for it. Well, Laura, thank you so much for sharing all of your intimate and vulnerable experiences with us. It it makes a huge difference, and, and I appreciate you having this conversation with me. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.